0: Women all over the world are championing environmental initiatives, activating change, and nurturing our environment like one of their own brood. Entrepreneurial Women with Purpose are celebrating women across Marlborough, New Zealand, who are leading our community as environmental guardians. Our podcasts are full of action-oriented takeaways, so be sure to have your journal as we delve into their stories and celebrate their passions. Welcome to Entrepreneurial Women with Purpose. I'm Catherine Vandermullen and joining me on today's podcast is Wendy Sullivan, Marlborough Catchment Coordinator for New Zealand Land Care Trust. In this series of podcasts we are celebrating women who are environmental guardians and leaders in Marlborough who are actively creating positive environmental impact through their work, community projects and passion projects. How are you Wendy?
1: I'm good thank you, how are you?
0: Good, so lovely to have you share this space with us. I always start with a big and hairy question. Who is Wendy Sullivan?
1: Well, my elevator pitch is that I work as a catchment coordinator for New Zealand Land Trust, and our mahi involves supporting farmers and growers with their environmental projects. But um, for me, caring for the environment is, is a lifestyle choice as well as a job. And um, I have a few other contracts on the go. So I do a little bit of work for council and for a farmer catchment group. Um, I also work as a bar manager at at our local boating club and um, do volunteer work for Kaipupu Sanctuary as their chairperson. I'm on the board for Picton Dawn Chorus and at um, Picton Little Theatre. So I love having a diverse lifestyle.
0: That is a very diverse lifestyle and so many hats I thought I had a few hats Wendy, but there is a lot of wonderful hats in there. Sure. So Wendy can you share what your call to adventure to doing the meaningful work that you're doing today through New Zealand Landcare Trust?
1: Um, I think it started back when I was um, a child uh, i I spent my childhood watching our world documentaries and getting really excited and passionate about um, lions and tigers and all the things that were on our world. And I'm really embarrassed to say it hadn't crossed my mind um, that New Zealand wildlife was equally as exciting and also equally as vulnerable. And then um, one day when I was in my late teens and scouting around for a a job, I read um, the black robin story. So if anyone hasn't read about the black robin story, back in the, uh, I think it was the 70s. It's really uh, inspirational, um, bringing black, back the black robins from five individual birds to now, I think, oh, there's over 200 of them. And I realised from that point on that you know there was a whole new world out there for me to charge into, so I headed off to university, did a Master's in Conservation and Ecology and then worked for DOC um, for 20 years. And then uh, three years ago, now, while DOC does some great work, um, personally I think it's critical that individuals take charge of the environment in their own backyard. And so I um, saw the opportunity to work directly with communities through New Zealand Landcare Trust.
0: And so what are you most passionate about as an environmental guardian?
1: Grassroots conservation. I think it starts at home. So I'm passionate about mentoring people, inspiring and supporting communities um, to take conservation into their own hands. I think everyone has the power to influence what goes on around us and we shouldn't have to leave it to the government to do that.
0: Can you evolve a little bit more on what you mean by grassroots conservation and obviously people taking these things into their own hands and being environmentalists and conservationists? That every it is everybody's role, but can you just share a bit more about maybe some tangible things of how to be a grassroots conservationist?
1: Uh, well, I'll start off in my own backyard here in Picton. So, um, as I said, I'm the chairperson of Kai Wildlife Sanctuary, and um, yeah, that that is pretty much run by volunteers. They they started in 2007 and um, set up this amazing conservation program over 40 hectares in Kaipupu century so yeah um, it, it tries to get all of the all of the people in Picton involved in trapping or um, monitoring the birds or counting lizards yeah it's it's really a project for everybody and then that expanded into Picton Dawn Chorus so um, and they've they've they see themselves as the halo of Kaipupu so um they're doing trapping surrounding kaipupu and now the two organizations have just have just emerged and then for new zealand land trust i'm um, helping rural communities with with similar projects so coming together as a catchment group where all the neighbors in one catchment um, just through sharing ideas pooling resources Um, taking the pressure off each other by supporting each other to tackle some of these big environmental issues suddenly it becomes you know the weight is not only on your shoulders it's it's shared collectively so I think that's really powerful when people get together brainstorm and come up with solutions to a problem in their own backyard.
0: Love it. And Wendy, why is it so important for us all to take leadership to protecting our environment? Why shouldn't we just leave it up to senior leaders in councils or central government? Why is it up to us all?
1: Because we all live on this planet. I think we've all heard the term, there's no planet B. Um, And so we need to, it's it's all of our problem. It's, It's not... We shouldn't just leave it into the government's hands because they are not living in our communities. They might not understand our environment or our problems. Um, We understand that. So we should be powerful in influencing and changing that for the better.
0: And so what have been some of the key learnings that have really changed your perspective on these topics along the way?
1: My key learning over the last three years with New Zealand Landcare trust is not to put people in boxes we hear all the time of this rural urban divide Um, we hear bad news stories from the media all the time about our rural communities but i feel honored to work with some of the um, farmers and growers in environmental management they have amazing passion and really innovative thinking in how to tackle some of these environmental projects and um, they have the environment at the front forefront of their minds. It's not just, you know, making profits. Is that they do care about their homes and their land. So that, that's been my learning over the last three years. Um, my goal is to help them tell the rest of us about that great work and to get some of these positive stories out there so we don't always get inundated with, with the minority bad ones.
0: And I always think, you know, with people who are living so close to the land and working so intrinsically with the land, you are, um, by nature of who you are and the environment that you you are an environmentalist and a conservationist. So uh, I think there's so much to be said about that without needing for it to need to be said, if that makes sense. Yes. Um, you know, these are people who are ancestors of that land who may have had that, that land been in their uh, families for generations and they are that legacy and they are that, um, they are those ancestors. So, you know, it absolutely is such an important thing, but you're right. The media creates wonderful stories um, to make us think differently uh, about that.
1: Yes.
0: Yeah. And Wendy, what's been the proudest moment for you in your journey at Landcare Trust?
1: <laughs> i reflecting on that. I'm... Um... It's been quite a long journey. I think I've, you know, I've been in this this game. Do I admit it? For about twenty seven years. So it's hard to pinpoint one. So I'll I'll just say that I guess seeing the programs and the projects that I've helped establish and seeing them still running long after I step away with away from them. So um, you know, I, I guess if they're still running after them, I'm no longer supporting them, there must have been a good framework there in the first place. So I think that's what I'm most proud of. They're our legacy projects, I suppose.
0: And we touched on it a little earlier around being uh, around ancestry. What do you think it takes to being a good ancestor? And what does that even mean to you?
1: Realising that the environment and the flora and fauna should be protected for its own sake. So I often hear, and I agree, that we should, we want the next generation to experience what we experience. But we need to stop putting a human lens on everything. I think, um, as a species, we have an ethical responsibility to protect it, regardless of whether we get benefit for, from it or not. And that's you know, so many cultures around the world—they independently believe in Mother Earth. So you know, the the Aboriginals and the Greeks and the Maori—they all think and believe that Mother Earth sustains all life. So. Um, You know, perhaps if people followed that train of thought, protecting the environment would become more natural um, because we're looking after our mother after all. So I reckon we, on Mother's Day, should plant a tree to give gratitude to our earth mother as well as giving flowers to our earth mother.
0: Mm, So maybe uh, instead of giving flowers, we could collectively plant, plant trees with our mother. That well, be, that's a better idea, yes. That, that's a beautiful way to spend your Mother's Day rather than feasting on unnecessary sugary <laughs> things collectively together. Oh, we could do both. We could do both whilst planting trees, eating, eating lovely cakes and things. Yes. Um, Wendy... I'm sure this is something that you have uh, read and I have read it cover to cover and back and forth quite a few times, the, uh, the Marlborough Economic Wellbeing Strategy and the particular focus on creating a thriving economy balanced with a flourishing environment and vibrant communities. What actions are you taking to achieve some of those things through your work?
1: Well, as I said in my intro, New Zealand Landcare Trust's role is to support those in primary industries and environmental projects and we in the trust are really conscious that to do that effectively you need a thriving economy so you can put aside efforts and finances into restoring our degraded environment however I think those in position of power need to wake up to the fact that without a healthy environment long term our economy won't thrive and so we've just gone through an election and now Marlborough has two ministers in government so wouldn't it be an amazing legacy for them to be able to say that Marlborough's environment is as healthy, rich and diverse as its communities that they are supporting. And
0: so what is your vision for the community of Marlborough if you could paint a future for our community?
1: For everyone to be involved in re-greening So... You know, we're coming into summer, the wither hills start to brown off, and there's not very many trees um, in parts of Marlborough. So uh, I think our lowlands are a bit of a biological desert. Um, I'm one of, of many that is trying to get more, more biodiversity into our landscape, and I think we need to start looking at a landscape level. So I've just started up the South Melbourne Ecological Corridor Project and that is about connecting forest fragments together with plantings along waterways and hedgerows and all those other little forgotten corners. And that hopefully will create um, an environment that species can start moving across the the landscape and means that they're not so vulnerable to climatic change. Um, And having our our forest fragments sort of disappear through fire or drought uh, and also this project is about connecting people so connecting forests and connecting people and supporting people to be able to do what they're doing in an enjoyable and, and um, knowledgeable way and I think, so my vision is that if if everyone planted a little bit on their farm or their vineyard or in their backyard and encouraged their neighbours to do so it wouldn't be um, long before we became a abol- biological oasis not a biological desert
0: (laughs) can we dig deeper into a wonderful topic of biodiversity that you mentioned can you share more about what biodiversity means what it looks like yeah open to open to you sharing your knowledge on what that what that's all about
1: um A biological oasis would be where we've got a diverse range of um, plants and trees because they they create habitat for a diverse range of wildlife. Um, If you can think, you know, if we keep allowing our landscape to be covered up in pine trees or grapes and we didn't start creating a diverse habitat then we will lose 90% of our wildlife some can live in pine trees or and some can live in vineyards but um, there just won't be the range of species that we should be having so I, I think yeah does that cover your question Catherine?
0: Yeah absolutely I think it's such a, I find it such a beautiful word Um, I'm not exactly sure why I find the word so fascinating um, but I as soon as I say the word I can just see this wonderful array of colour and diversity and life that's far and beyond you know the, the concrete jungle and I would love to be able to see not only in our landscapes of Marlborough that biodiversity and those wildlife corridors threaded throughout our entire landscapes but also in our CBD, you know, our, um, whether that be in the hundreds of roundabouts that we have as an example, (laughs) uh, and creating biodiversity hubs in those, in those environments that we are really threading and weaving it into, into all parts of our beautiful community of Marlborough.
1: Yeah, some of our um, brainstormings for Climate Action Marlborough meetings, we've been talking about you know, we don't want to lose our productive land because that's just naive to think that we should be converting productive land back into forests, that we've got to support our population. But there's so much land that's not being used, perhaps um, in a, an efficient way, and maybe we can start looking and turning all of those little bits of wasteland into areas that are um, not only beautiful to look at, but functional ecosystems as well. So it's really important, I think, that we're not black and white about this, that we investigate all those grey areas as well.
0: I think there's lots of magic in those grey areas, Wendy. And so finally, Wendy, what are three actions that our listeners can take from this discussion to embed into their world?
1: The first action is to have a mind shift um, in that you, you as an individual uh are influential in your community I, I hear all the time that um, what's the point in New Zealand doing this because such and such a country is polluting far more than us and personally I think if we, you know, if, if we can be leaders in, in rugby or wine production we can be leaders globally in environmental management as well so first action is, is to believe that you have um, the power of change the second action is to plant trees, <laughs> plant native trees, preferably, but plant plant trees in, in any space you can. Um, and my second, my third action is from a, a quote from Albert Einstein. It's my favourite quote, and it's look deep into nature, and you will understand everything better. So mm-hmm. my action from that is to make nature part of your life. So whether it's going for a bushwalk or just sitting on your um, back deck with a cider in one hand and listen to the birds and enjoy the sunshine, just make nature part of your life. Can we dig a little deeper into one of those, particularly
0: around that mindset shift? Uh, And as you said, around, you know, creating influence in your community and, you know taking that leadership role to creating environmental environmental action no matter what stage of your learning journey you are at how do we even start by that mindset shift is that mindset sh- mindset shift around educating ourselves on topics is it about spending more time in nature what are the what's going to shift that mindset to then be able to take action and think differently
1: surround yourself um, with others who believe the same so a lot of people who don't think they're going to make a difference may be a little bit nervous about what they can do but if you join a community group or a catchment group or even um, your, your colleagues who are all talking the same language and get that peer support and then you can see what other people are doing and other people are talking about suddenly it's you know the the problem's not so big or the ideas start flowing, you can start brainstorming different ideas. So all good community groups came from one person going, Hey, what about if we did this? You know, and there'll be a whole lot of other people out there that go, that's not going to achieve and you think that's just silly. And then just by getting a couple of people to do it and then they'll attract a few more and suddenly you're creating social norm about it's it's the right thing to do and it's a fun thing to do. So I think just surround yourself by other people who've got positive energy and want to take action.
0: Yeah, and I've particularly seen that this year with our work with Climate Action Marlborough and the people that are now surrounding around that project of a collective mission and the organisations that we're able to connect with and create pathways. And, you know, it's all based on values-aligned people coming together for a a collective mission. Um, even this week, I've been chatting to, or last week chatting to lots of uh, organisations around our community and even a year on compared to the conversations we were having last year, there is a very different level of knowledge and appetite and discussion on so many of these topics that I'm really excited to see where our wonderful community of Marlborough can really band together to take even deeper, to take even deeper action. Wendy Sullivan, thank you so much for sharing your world and your wisdom with Entrepreneurial
1: Women with Purpose. It's been a pleasure, Catherine. Thank you.
0: This podcast is proudly supported by Yealand's Estate Winery. Yearlands lead the world in sustainable wine production. We're the first winery in the world to be Toitu Carbon Zero certified from inception. Use great prunings to heat water, miniature sheep to reduce mowing, and one of the largest solar arrays in New Zealand. With a rigorous biodiversity plan in action, Yearlands are on a mission to plant 1 million native trees and become an eco-sourcing hub for the region. We are grateful for the support of Yearland's to celebrate these women in our wonderful community of entrepreneurial women with purpose.